back for another edition of the Big Red Louie podcast. I am your host, Jacob Lane, joined tonight by my co-host, Presley Meyer. It's been a long time since we've been together, my friend. I believe since Chris Mack was on the show. Uh, that was the last time we were joined virtually on this podcast. How are you, buddy? Dude, I'm doing incredible. Um, you know, you can't ask for much more on these uh, great 95-degree days with no sports. Um, Reds are back, though. Reds are back. Uh, only two games below 500, so... Uh, so far, so good. So you really can't complain. Yeah, and golf has been on for like five weeks, and nobody's cared. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> sir, <laughs> we're also joined by Alex Stengel, our producer. Alex, how's it going, man? You're just throwing punches right out of the gate, Jacob. That was like, Look, man, he, he's not been here for a couple of weeks. The, the best yeah. part about the best part about that is you guys didn't even bat an eye when I said the Reds are two games below 500. They've only played four games. All right. So um, I'm aware because I watched that uh, terrible loss the other night. Yeah, Red's Twitter is is worse than Louisville Twitter. I'm going to tell you that now because it, it's like game one, the Reds always win. I feel like the Reds always win their season opener. And then game two, it's like, all right, here we go. We're going to go undefeated. It's going to be – we're going to make the playoffs. And then like halfway through that game, they're like, all right, Reds suck. The season's over. What are we doing? This reliever is, is thrown uh, – you know, has given up seven runs. We're terrible. We're not winning anything. And then shortly thereafter, the season collapses. It's like a ritual. Every single yep. season, and it this, goes the exact same every, way. Every stupid loss is going to be ample by 100 because there's only 60 games versus 162 so literally every game counts the same as like three games no normal right. so every i kind of like that though they actually, run. they actually care now like it, it just seems like there's more on the line per game i don't mean to get into things right out of the no game. you're, you're right. exactly right but we're gonna we're gonna go into all of the leagues coming back and starting up as one here because it's been almost three weeks since we've had a uh, live podcast uh, and there's actually been some sports happening. The NBA, MLB are back. The college football is really close to a decision, or at least the conferences are, on what things are going to look like over the couple next couple of weeks and when the season gets started. Um, and there's a couple of different options on the table that I think are worth discussing. But I want to start tonight with something that I don't think I'd ever thought we would talk about on the show. And that is Jack Harlow, Louisville's beloved rapper who is continuing to just blow up day by day, getting an NBA player in trouble because he just so happened to be at a place that he shouldn't have been snapped a photo that he shouldn't have snapped. Uh, and it cost somebody a longer quarantine in the NBA bubble. I know you guys have seen this, but please give me your thoughts on Jack Harlow snitching on Lou Williams of the Clippers. I mean, how long did it last on social media? Because somebody was like, Oh, did you guys see Jack Harlow's Instagram? And I was like, no. And literally by the time I went to look, it was already gone. So, it couldn't have been on Instagram for longer than maybe 15, 20 minutes. There's too many smart people out there that follow, you know, hip hop artists and then also follow basketball pretty closely. The, the, the main takeaway for me from this is that um, I need to go to a strip club. I've never been to a strip club before. I don't know if we just could come out and say they're at a strip club, maybe a family podcast, but I need to go there because apparently the food at Atlanta strip clubs is amazing. Um, so I'm not sure if the Godfather or, um Trixie's or any of these other places that I've driven by but never been to in case my wife's listening um I need to go in there and check out their wings apparently and whatever else they have on the menu I can can you imagine just sitting at a strip club and eating wings and just like watching naked <laughs> women just like 
Mm, yeah. Mm. I don't, <laughs> that, that, that so let's get the facts straight, right? So he Lou Williams claims that he was there to pick up Carrie out. Uh, I know that he he left the bubble due to an emergency family family situation, and I believe I saw on Instagram that maybe somebody in his family passed away. And I get it. Look, you're you're leaving the bubble. You need to get food, right? He probably doesn't have food wherever he was staying. Uh, and, but the strip club. That's a new one in terms of I got to go get dinner. Like, like who? I, he, and he defended himself. He said it's you know I've seen people say that it's you know in Atlanta that's common for people to go to strip clubs to get carry out for for dinner. But I'm and like he, man, man, the awareness of an NBA player in that bubble to do that. I also just want to make it known we have a, there's almost but a guarantee that Jacob is going to cut that segment just to, uh, just for our future's sake uh, for jokes as well because. That was probably one of the best monologues I think you've ever done uh, on here. So I just want to make note of that. So Who, me or time. Presley? Oh, I'm talking Presley. That yeah, was it was amazing. beautiful. That was, I think that, that was incredible. I think I'm going to have to text your wife after the show and let her know to listen to, to the seven-minute mark of the intro so she can be in for a little treat. I think that she would be totally down to try some strip club links. I'm, I'm going to go on the record and say that, that Taylor would – 100% be on board with trying Trixie's wings. But right, you, here's, the, here, here's what we're going to do. And when the pandemic is over and life goes back to normal, Presley, you're going to take Taylor, uh, your wife, into a, a strip club here in Louisville, and you're going to get wings, and we're going to do it live. We're going we're gonna to ask you how it's going. We're okay. going to listen to you eat. We're going to just get the whole situation I'll, uh, well, and what happens. I'll, I'll, I will just straight Lou Williams it, okay? Because I'm, I'm sure that Jack Harlow was just there for the wings. So – what uh, what will happen is I'll just call into the show. Um, we'll we'll order carry out from this destination, um, and then we'll just go in and get it, and just see what happens. I want to know what the, I want to know the full experience. Like, is, is who is serving me this food? Like, am I supposed to tip an un, unusual amount of money? Like, I, I don't I don't know where the just for for full sake of of clarity here. I, I legitimately have never been inside of a strip club. Honestly, that I don't even make sports anymore um, at this yeah, point. I've, like the storylines are even better. Than I've never been anymore. inside of a strip club, so I think. All right, is, so they, I, I'm assuming that that they're like um, what what Barney Stinson's experience is like, is what I'm assuming. Does anybody I, know who Barney? Stinson? I do. Yes, I'm very familiar with that show, and I would say you're probably not far off there. Here's the thing I want to talk about. So the bubble now has had two. Uh, mishaps right with players leaving the bubble and doing things that they aren't supposed to the first one which i still think is so funny is the delivery driver going to the wrong place and and rashawn holmes of the kings just crossing over like this equator that exists around the campus that like barely over and getting his food and coming back and finding out he has to quarantine for 10 days and then you have lou williams who goes to a strip club to get his wings while he's back home uh, for a family event and put on for everyone to see on on social media by a rapper. Which, first of all, Jack, if you're listening, man, let's look. I know everyone's got their own belief on you know what's going on, where whether you need to wear a mask, what you need to do. But like, I don't think anybody needs to be going to a strip club in Atlanta after they've been traveling. No matter like right now, that's probably not a good idea. And by the way, did you guys see that there is going to be in Houston? James Harden, if you're listening, I think you'll enjoy this. A drive-by strip club. I have seen this, and I was wondering, like, what the, like, what is what is the protocol, right? Since I mean, since we're just going in all these strip club details, and I have no idea what what strip clubs entail. 
what is the protocol for a drive-by strip club, right? Like, are you, is it like a courtesy to get your car clean beforehand? Like, like the, I envision it being like the, the, the underground lights, the cavern it, it, <laughs> during yes, the winter. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm picturing. Like, this is like, this is like, um, the very overpriced, um, underground lights at the okay. main caverns. There was a, there was some like article on USA Today or some online, like quick, and it had like two of the saddest photos I've ever seen, uh, when it came to that story. So you guys aren't far off, especially with Jacob's interpretation. Um, but no, you've yeah. been to a drive-by strip club. Let's, let's just ask that question first before we move on. No, no. Okay. All right. I just, I thought the way you were talking about that, that you had in the you way you're like, yeah, you know, I read a quick right. article online about one, which basically makes me an expert. But. And then like, what are, how are people going to judge you by, based on like, like I drive a 2011 Accord. So like, should I not take that because then I'm not going to get a better service like i don't I think in 2020 it really doesn't matter at this point presley for being for being honest you're getting way too in debt about strip clubs but uh no I, it is no no I'm, I'm saying just in general i'm sorry Ooh. sorry to grip you in there i got defensive there me Ooh. i would never go or talk about strip clubs more well, than for, i should we'll let you ramble on this topic we can come back to this i know we have a lot to get to but i did just text taylor and tell her that i was going to pick up dinner from the strip club so i just want to see how this goes all right you got to break into whenever you get a response from that and i want to i want to set the scene for our listeners who are uh you know who have been listening you probably know by now if you've been listening to our show that i have a daughter presley's got a couple of dogs that typically bark in in the during the middle of the podcast alex has got a very large dog who typically can be heard breathing in the background uh, and a cat who will kind of play around on his on his keyboard but right now i am i am playing defense at home on my with my daughter here so we transitioned from a crib to a more uh what we like to call big girl bed for her uh, and the first couple of nights have been a, a big transition for her now that she has freedom to get out of bed in the middle of the night whenever she wants there's no longer four walls around her her sleeping situation she can come and go as she pleases um, and she's been she's been taking advantage of that quite a bit the last two nights and so uh, I've told you guys before we came on uh, and obviously we're not going to probably be, be sharing the video of this podcast but as you guys can see uh, I am playing defense by the monitor and wait, just waiting for her to get up to come to the door so that I can meet her there and make her go back to sleep so if you're listening uh, that's a little sneak behind the curtains of what's going on here. And if I have to to get up and run in the middle of the show without explanation, you know why that's happened. So it's with that being though, said, so they're, they're, honestly, there would be there could be worse entertainment. There could, there could. She has been kind of like a, in a sport of my own. Like it's it's the game of Ruby where you just have to to constantly kind of chase her around all day. It's a game that she thinks is really fun. I find it very tiring. But let's move on into college football because that is the uh, the big ticket item right now, obviously, I know the NBA is getting ready to get back underway on uh, Thursday night, so just in a few nights. But college football, they're the next kind of linchpin here to make a decision on on a season. And we are uh, almost a, a month away from what the regular season would have kicked off September 2nd or 3rd um, for Louisville. And there is still no, you know, there's still no understanding of what a season is going to look like if there even is going to be one. And that is all happening while there is a surge nationwide in COVID cases. So we are kind of right back into square one. However, there's leagues that are playing and college football 
Um, we've talked about it plenty of times on the show, and, and you've probably read about it, about it by now, but college football programs and, and programs across the country, they, they need the money bad because of losing spring sports. And so um, there's going to be, I would imagine, some form of season here. Uh, but the ACC, they're, they're supposed to be meeting on, on Wednesday, which I guess is that today. I don't even know what day of the week it is. Tuesday today, Wednesday today. Uh, they're supposed to be meeting this week to make a decision, and there's a couple of options on the table. Um, and I don't know if you guys – have have read into this or if you really kind of know where they're where they're trending here but obviously at this point conference games only is what it seems like but for schools like louisville or you know some of the other schools who have big rivalries in non-conference uh, or in opposing conferences there's a push for maybe a game or two outside of the conference but there's so much happening right now that is unknown with with the pandemic and how things are going to go um what are your guys' thoughts on, on what that's going to look like? Is there a preference of what, what the season looks like? How many games, when they start it? Like, what do you guys think? Well, first off, today is Tuesday because tomorrow is Wednesday, my birthday. And that is the only reason I know tomorrow is Wednesday. So, shout out to myself. I will be 29 on the 29th. And I did not know this, but Jacob said apparently this is my golden year. It is I your golden birthday. What a year to waste. Golden it, right? grams. What's your what's your golden ticket idea? My golden ticket idea? Great. No, no, no. Keep going. Just keep going. It, you didn't get the reference. I did. I did it's not. okay. There will be some people who will and some people who won't. I thought that was great. Keep it moving. All right, Willy Wonka. <laughs> I'm assuming it's something from the office. You're correct. Okay. You're correct. It's a safe bet with you guys. So not in a bad way. I didn't mean that. That was, I didn't want that to sound like a slight. Just well, happy early birthday to you. But what, what are the thoughts on what a college football season looked like? Which we have a poll up on our Twitter at the Big Red Louie. You should be following us if you're not already. But uh, which option do you believe the ACC goes with for the 2020 season? Alex, I'm going to lay this out here for you. But 10 games plus one, eight games plus one. Both of those would kind of fall in somewhere in the fall. Or do they hold off until the spring? Or do we cancel or have another solution under, under our um, fingers here that we're not sure about? Yeah, so I think um, they're definitely going with the 10 plus one as like their main full steam ahead option until I think they're going to be forced to pivot. Um, conference games, like here's the thing. I mean, if you just reduce the season by three games or four games or whatever that looks like, I mean, safety-wise, does it really make a difference? You know, because every game is, is a risk when you think about it. Because uh, you're bringing two teams together in two totally different geographic areas, even though they're going to be a little closer to each other. Uh, I like the idea of the 10 plus one. Obviously, one would probably be the UK game, I would assume, because it's still regional for the most part. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they're going to play um, – I mean, there's, there's just so many indicators that I've already read about that they're really trying to push, even if there's no fans, right? I think that's, that's the big contingency right now is not the games, uh, but the fan aspect as well. So um, I can see them pushing the season back a little bit. I know they, they talked about not pushing it back too far because they're running the risk of, of backing up into training and, and preparation for, for the season after that. So there is a, a – it's crazy the amount of things you have to think about um, on on any of these decisions, for the most part. Yep. So we haven't had a chance to really sit down and talk about the implications of all of this, but um, I put my thoughts out there on the website when some of these rumors started coming out. 
believe it was um, the Big Ten who kind of hopped on this conference only train first. And although other schools have been pretty adamant about the fact that, or other conferences have been adamant about the fact that it's not a guarantee that any of this stuff happens. Um, it seems like the writing is on the wall that if one of the power five conferences moves to only play conference games or maybe have conference games plus one, uh, it seems like every other conference will probably hop on board. The NCAA, uh, like usual, is being absolutely um, completely weak-minded about all of this. Um, so, of course, um, they would do the weakest thing possible and say absolutely nothing and put it on the conferences. Um, right, so and, and that's the best part, right? I mean, essentially, that's, that's the huge theme is like in crunch time, where has has the leadership been? And everybody's been calling for it. Even, you know, pro athletes have spoken out about it. Um, mm -hmm. The fact that whenever we truly need, uh, you know, some ideas, some leadership, some, all right, here's a plan that we're putting in place. Here's what we're trying to do. Uh, you get none of that. It's, we're going we're gonna to watch these guys over here, see what they're doing, see what works, see what might not work, and then probably reconvene in a couple weeks and then, you know, do it all over again until – Eventually, yeah, you're either going to have to cancel or, you know, just start start the season. So I, I think the lack of leadership is just a, another compounding thing that, that mm -hmm. the NCAA needs, like a whole regime change from yep. the part, from So, the, top so down. the the next take on this, since since the NCAA has basically put the onus on the conferences, right? The conferences are going to do the next best thing and try to do whatever's going to make them the most money. Um, it makes the only reason that this makes sense is because of money, right? So in Louisville's case, for instance, they're not going to have to pay Western Kentucky and Murray State this year in a year where every school is going to be hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging money. So they're going to do what's best for them. The Power Five teams are going to do what's best for them. It's, gonna, it's not going to cost them any money. Um, they're not going to have to pay out-of-pocket money to have teams come in and play them, right? So that's a big deal. Um, to me – what makes the most sense financially is to completely restructure the schedule, bump it back to the eight plus one structure, which is what, what has been thrown out there quite a bit, either 10 plus one or eight plus one. But I think it makes the most sense for the ACC to break the schedules up into regions and then go, go and do um, home and home um, schedules with the regions. So a perfect example of how this could work. For instance, you could have a region with Miami, Florida State, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. That's a perfect region. So all those teams play each other home and home. Even better, you could have North Carolina, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, um, and who else am I missing? Duke. So North, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Wake Forest, and Duke are all within an hour drive of each other. That's a perfect scenario for them. They all play home and homes with each other. doesn't matter if there's fans in the stands, any of that stuff. They can take – it's just a short bus trip. It's like the equivalent of U L playing UK every single game. That makes the most sense for them to do. Now, where it gets sketchy is when you have, for instance, uh, a scenario where it's going to be Louisville, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and Boston College. Those colleges could not be any more spread out, right? But if you went four, four, and four, it makes the most sense to do the, the regions that basically th that I've given. Um, then you have Virginia Tech as an outlier. So you could, you could perhaps have something like Miami, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Clemson, North Carolina, and then have like Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Duke, and, and NC State. I'm not sure exactly how they would how they would orchestrate it, but 
from all accounts, from all reports, especially from uh, Kirk Herbstreet, it sounds like that is probably the direction that the conferences are going to try to go. Um, for Louisville's sake, um, I'm hoping that Notre Dame is clustered in there. If Notre Dame's just going to come in and royally screw everybody, um, Louisville better get to play a home and home with them this year. I wouldn't be mad about that, but I would be mad about having to play Boston College and Syracuse twice. Um, but in, in my opinion, I think that that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to do an eight plus one um, or attempt some sort of an eight plus one with the fallback option of having to, uh, having to push the season back to the spring. Um, so the, the, those are the two best options in my opinion. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I think that you're, that's a great idea. And I love the idea of, of kind of regionalizing and Alex and I talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast. What does that impact have moving forward? Or could we possibly move into a, a, you know, some kind of massive realignment should the power conferences break away where maybe you kind of regionalize things again and make traveling easy for the next couple of seasons so that programs can kind of build their, their revenue base back up and keep expenses low. Um, and, and actually I just, I just saw this on Twitter that the, the ACC board of governors and, and the uh, presidents were expected to meet tomorrow and make a decision on scheduling and what the season would look like. They've now bought themselves a little bit of time, pushed that decision back. They'll be meeting to discuss, but no decision is expected. So what I think they're doing is they're trying to buy time here. They know they have that September 11, 18th range is kind of their kickoff is their, they, you know, they could start there, but I think what's going to end up happening is because you, you have to take into account what is happening with the Miami Marlins, which we're going to talk about here in a few seconds, but Travel is the one thing with sports the last few months I've always said is going to be an issue. How do you travel state to state um, and, and put your a big football team? We're talking about 85 players plus maybe another 25 walk-ons, you know, 50 coaches. How do you travel like that to cities and not worry about having to go through airports and do things that expose you to, to more – um, outside interaction with people and potentially be exposed to the, to the virus. Um, and so travel is something that they can't, I don't think they're going to be able to travel. Um, and Presley, so that's where I think that your idea comes in of a regionalization. Um, and I think that you could do that with Louisville, with Notre Dame and the other schools that would be um, tricky. Uh, but I don't think that's what the ACC wants to do. I, re I really don't. I think what the ACC wants to do is they want to try to find themselves a couple more weeks go to an eight plus one model where they put two weeks in between every game where teams are able to go back and quarantine. Because if you're traveling here, you're going to have to incorporate some kind of quarantine. You're going to have to, to avoid risk and avoid cases coming higher and higher. No travel is going to be able to be done without that. So if you have an eight week season that can push into late into the, the winter, you know, maybe even into um, January, February, I mean, you know, late, late in the winter, um, I think you can do it and you can play games and you can allow for more leeway with buys in between. And yeah, it wouldn't look like a normal college football season, but we have to come to a, an understanding here that no season is going to look normal. Um, I understand the talk about fans because I think you can do it. Um, like, I think you can bring fans in and social distance, just like Louisville city has done. But uh, Presley to, to your thing, I think that you just can't travel no matter where it is, is going to be difficult unless you can incorporate a, a quarantine period. So that's why I think the eight games regionalization kind of working hand in hand. Uh, and then you can maybe get off a of football season safely. Also shout out to Lou city for finally winning their first game in their new stadium. Because people were getting a little worried um, that they went 0-2 with the new digs. So uh, that's good news. They only went 1-0. It was pretty close. But, uh, you know, they're 1-2. Either way, I, I do agree um, with what you're saying in, in regards to 
to the quarantine process. And I think that's the one thing that no one really knows what that still looks like, right? Because mm. that's going to determine the length of the season as well. Because if there's an effective way to do it, then they're going to be gung-ho and want to play more games. But if there's still, like, not a clear-cut process that, that other teams and other leagues and, and people can follow, um, then, yeah, that, it's going to be a little more chaotic. Because you're seeing, like you just mentioned, you're seeing the success of the NBA right now and how controlled – uh, they're handling things. And then you're also seeing the chaos of the MLB to where, you know, a team tests positive they, and they played, you know, a game like two days prior. So there's a lot looser uh, things. And some, so there's just no continuity, I guess, between, between the leagues and the way things are done at the moment. And I think that's really concerning. Yeah. The, the only other scenario that I can think of, and honestly, I just thought of this and I can't believe I haven't heard it thrown out yet. If every school in the ACC goes to social, socially distanced school, online learning, right? So that's 14 teams. It seems like we're heading in that direction. To me, that's what it feels like. It just doesn't logistically make sense to have college classes with 500 kids um, on campus. It doesn't make sense to have uh, fraternity houses and big parties. Like th those are going to be just cesspools of coronavirus. Like it doesn't make sense to have college right now, right? Right, so, and, and the thing is, the thing is, Presley is in the same hand. Like, 21, 18 to twenty-two year olds should not be forced to be put. I, I, I shouldn't say forced, but to put them in a situation like that and expect them to act as if they're adults and wear masks and not do those things right. is it's ridiculous. And so you're right; you cannot bring students back on campus. Which there's going to be a huge group of people who come to you with this question and they say, "Well, how do you keep college football and college athletes on campus? Then they're students, aren't they?" To that, what do you say? Right. So here's my proposal. If we're all going to be socially distanced, which it seems like that's going to be the case, right? It's almost a better scenario to not have the rest of the students on campus because then you're, those are the only people that you're coming in contact with. So why not take it a step further? If we're playing in these pods and say it's you know, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and Boston College, why not take it a step further and say, okay, Pittsburgh is the safest city right now. Um, you know, I know they were thinking about moving uh, the, the um, Blue Jays down to Pittsburgh, right? So j just as an example, Louisville, Syracuse, and Boston College all do online remote learning in Pittsburgh. So they, stay, they remain in that city for the entire year. They get their education there. They practice there. They play there. Why would that not be some sort of reasonable option like if you have yes. Clemson, if you have clemson georgia tech florida state and miami um it's it seems like there's a there's a bubble working well in orlando right now why not have why not there it is folks the magic word of the night bubble was waiting bubble. gotta have a bubble gotta have a bubble so look so, you're right you got to have a bubble so, so that to me that's the only way this happens right and I think that that's kind of the, the direction we were trying to go next is, is there a season in any league without a bubble? We're seeing already in Major League Baseball um, just how quickly stuff can break out. Now, granted, it was in Miami, which is one of the – it was coming from Miami, right, which is one of the worst cities. I think they were in Philadelphia. Is that right? Um, but, but, but regardless, it, it's not going to make sense for Major League Baseball to keep – to continue playing this season um, with, with players being able to just freely go about 
and live their lives. And I know that doesn't seem fair or right, but you could have players opt in or opt out. You know, we're already seeing uh, guys in the NBA and NFL that are choosing to sit out the season. We saw Asia Durr, former Louisville player, is choosing to sit out the season. Um, so there are um, a number of different options um, for teams, but I don't think that you can exercise those options without everybody being in the same area. It's, it's, the, only, it's the only reasonable way to do that. Right, exactly. And, and I think that the, the argument to people is fair if they say something along the lines of, you know, why would the college students who are athletes be allowed to stay and those who aren't aren't allowed to stay, especially when you have a lot of colleges that have international students, like you're really uh, kind of going against the NCAA's model of uh, student athlete um, and that they're a student first. And, uh, but I don't think that you are at the same time. Like, let's be realistic here. They need college football universities cannot exist outside of Ivy league schools um, and the D two and D three schools who don't, you know, bring money in from sports, but they, those, those big universities are all existing because of money that is coming in and awareness. And, you know, it's bigger than just money. It's marketing and, and, and building awareness of your brand outside of your own um, state and, and region. And the fact of, you know, trying to think that, um, I completely lost my train of thought here, but my, my point being here is that there has to be a bubble. There has to be a bubble. Um, and I think that Stuart Mandel was the, the writer from the athletic who wrote about the sec bubble, uh, in Atlanta and how that exists. And, and my point was, let me get back to my point was that they're, they are student athletes, but they make money for the university. And I think that there is a little bit of, uh, treatment that you could, you know, you can get them in a bubble and you can, you know, they can opt out, get like Scott Satterfield said, if they want to leave, you can leave. Like if you're not safe with this, uh, but we think that you're safer here, but if they can create a bubble, take their student athletes to, uh, Atlanta, take them to Indianapolis, take them to, you know, some, some place in a regionalized place where they can stay, continue to do their schoolwork, have access to tutors be around their coaching staff uh, and you play a you know a six-week season maybe you shorten it to that that much so you can play and you go from there yeah or you could even break it up and do say they I mean uh, this is getting super complicated now but they could travel to a city and play four games in a cluster and then take four weeks off you know they could take the weeks off from Thanksgiving to Christmas you know Thanksgiving to New Year's and then come back and go elsewhere get tested redo the whole process and then play four or five weeks on again. Um, so I, I think that there's, there's options out there. It's just going to be how creative um, our coaching staffs and athletic departments and, um, you know, people within, in, within the conference, how creative are, are they willing to get um, for the sake of, of, of making their university money? And nowhere is that more important than Louisville. Um, I know, you know, my wife gives me a bunch of grief about, you know, every time she's been to the Thornton's Academic Center where she's seen, you know, something else on Floyd Street getting built or seeing additions on campus that only have to do with athletes. Um, and I'm always, you know, pretty quick to remind her, well, I mean, you wouldn't have this nice um, newly renovated school university um, if, if you didn't have athletics. Well, you know, that's, that's where, that's why you can boast about how good your education is because, athletics are what has carried um, schools like Louisville for so long. 
Yeah, and I think that there's other ways that you could get, um, you know, kind of unique things to happen with the schedule. You know, whether it's if if you do have to bubble or you do have to quarantine for extended periods of time, maybe you play the same opponent twice and on you know your home field and then on their home field in in a course of two weeks. Maybe you know maybe you do travel to regional sites every four weeks and you play you know three games over the course of you know 15, 16 days. I don't know how you would do the scheduling thing, but there's some unique things that you can do. But I think that all the while you have to have a bubble you have to create a bubble and i think it was dr fauci who said it's going to be really hard for the nfl really hard for the mlb to go about having full seasons without creating a bubble uh, and you see with what happened with the basketball tournament you know you have a case inside of a bubble they've removed the player removed the team nothing there's no issues there the nba now has gotten it to where there are no positive cases within the bubble and players who leave and have to come back they have to sit out uh, you know for 10 days lou williams is going to miss two games in the seating pod of games because of exiting the bubble and going to get wings at a strip club like I can't I can't make this up like this is what happened and because of it now the Clippers who are just a few games behind the Lakers in attempt to get a one seed uh, could be you know put in a really bad spot because Lou Williams decided he wanted to get wings so the, the, um, the best part about that entire situation too before we just drop this forever is the fact that the Clippers have only played I think it was like six games this year with every starter healthy so like th- they probably have the second best chance to to win the whole thing (laughs) and finally when they get everybody healthy um, and they have a chance to really try to compete for that one seed um, one of their one of their better guys off the bench uh, back-to-back six man of the year perhaps three years in a row six man of the year um, gets, gets basically suspended for two games the, the things we're going to get to tell our grandkids about that happened in the NBA during the bubble season, like, cause I think we're just kind of hitting the, the beginning of the iceberg here because not only has Stephen A. Smith talked about this, Colin Cowherd talked about this today. Players want sex. They want the sex <laughs> and they are, they, you got 22, 23 year old, like single men in a bubble that want the sex. Uh, and so they're going to try to sneak out of the bubble to get the sex. And that's going to cause issues. And because like, I, I wonder how many players honestly would leave the bubble if they knew that they wouldn't get caught and then try to come back. And that's where I think the NBA could run into issues. Uh, Lou Williams is a completely different situation outside of the bubble. Where when you have guys who go over the barrier to get picked up and then brought back to the bubble, gets a little bit uh, more challenging to keep the bubble clean. But speaking of the NBA, I want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up the show here. Um, Presley, we, we, you and I have been talking about this the last couple of days that we've been kind of working on a, an article about Jay Scrub and Jordan Wara, the NBA Combine, and everything that's kind of going into the NBA draft process right now for the, for the former cards who've got a shot to play in the NBA. Uh, and, and I thought it was interesting that the NBA was sending out Combine invites without even knowing if there was going to be a Combine. Because if uh, for those that don't know or don't follow the NBA draft, the NBA draft was ex- expected to be a month ago, almost like I think it was a month yesterday. Uh, and so that's been pushed back to October now with a season extended. And so the NBA draft process is still really unknown. What's it going to look like? But the, the NBA combine invites go out. They send them to the top 60 players, more of a way for these players to make a decision of where they stand with teams. Uh, we, we wrote about who does it matter more for Jordan Wara, Jay Scrub. They both are kind of in similar spots in draft range, but for completely different reasons. Uh, and would they even get one? And, and sure enough, almost 48 hours later, we now know that Jordan Wara and Jay Scrub were invited to the combine that we don't know whether or not will happen. So I ask you this with that being the case, you now know that they're both invited one. It's a two part question. One, 
Who do you think, if there is a combine, who do you think has the better showing? And two, who do you believe gets drafted first, Jordan Wara or Jay Scrub? I think that Jordan Wara will have the better combine. I think the Jay Scrub gets drafted higher. How about that? Interesting. That's a that's an interesting combo because I would go I would go opposite of that. I would say that I think uh, that that Jordan's gonna have the better. Well, I shouldn't say. I think that Jay's gonna have the better combine, and I think that Jay's gonna get drafted higher than Jordan. Or I think his ceiling is one of the highest out of every player in this draft right now. And such a weird, bad draft. So for people who are, are like you, Presley, and don't follow the NBA, don't follow the NBA draft really that closely. This is considered to be one of the worst draft classes in years. Yeah, it's it's historically historically weak. You know, we talk about the historically weak bubble. You have the historically weak draft. Um, I mean, look, I think it's all it's all about fit, right? And I mean, somebody could look at Jay Scrub, and and I know how scouts are all about drafting off of potential, and there isn't anybody with with a higher upside, like you said, than Scrub, and that's the reason why I think that that Scrub will get chosen first is because. There's more, there's more for him to prove than with Wara, right? With Wara, you saw him play. You saw him start in 60-plus games in his career. You saw the full spectrum of what he has to offer. He played against Kentucky three times. He played against North Carolina five times. Played against Duke five times. Played against Virginia six times. Like, there, there is so much more tape on him and so many more things for scouts to analyze with Jay Scrub, you don't really have that. You don't have – I mean, I'm sure scouts are able to get their hands on a full game tape, but if even if they do have that, it's not going to be what it is, you know, watching Jordan Wara play on national TV every game. It's not going to be um, the same watching him play Juco, guys. It's just not. Like, when you watch his highlights, it's just unfair how much bigger, stronger, more athletic, and just overall better of a player he is than 98% of guys out there. Um, so for, for me, that's why I, th- I think it's nothing against Wara. I just think that Wara has, sh- he's shown where his ceiling is. And unfortunately for him, um, scouts would, organizations would rather take a risk and draft on potential, um, than, than go with, you know, kind of what they already know. And I think Wara projects more as a role player, whereas Scrub could actually find his way into sort of a, a starting spot on, on a mid-level team. Yeah, but with with Scrub, it's going to be a slow burn. Like it's going to take a couple of years because, like you said, the JUCO level. I heard Luke Hancock talking about it on the radio this week. How do you, as an NBA talent evaluator and scout, how do you even judge that talent? Like how good is he really playing against a bunch of dudes from you know uh, some college in Iowa? Like how do we really know if he's you know good enough to compete in the NBA? Um, I think that the physical intangibles about him are going to be what scouts are like drooling over by the time the combine's over because he he's six foot six, two hundred twenty pounds um and his ceiling is incredibly high because of his athleticism and ability to score um and i think that that translate that translates well for him but i think that you know at at an event like the combine i think scouts are going to want to see him against other people can he play against some of these guys from college basketball and you should be able to know pretty quickly from there whether or not he's going to get drafted uh based off that i tend to think that He's a guy that's got, uh, you know, the a real, like I said, a really high ceiling and can be a lot better if he gets a couple of years to play, um, maybe in the G League and, you know, time to really learn the game. Um, and, and I just, I, I wonder who would give him that and who's interested enough. Is it a young 
team is an older team. Uh, but I think that he's going to have a really good combine. I think we're going to get to see a, a player that, you know, we're going to be like, damn, man, that would have been so good to have at Louisville. Um, and, I, and I think that the intrigue uh, is going to be enough by draft time to where he is going to be a guy you're hearing at the top of the second round and maybe teams want to try to trade up to grab him. Kind of like another guy, Anthony Simons, uh, with the Portland Trailblazers a few years ago. Um, they wanted to, to you know, get somebody that had injuries. He was coming from the prep level in high school. No one really knew whether or not he could play. Um, and sure enough, they gave him a few years to sit and learn, and, and, and now he's the backup point guard. So I think that with Scrub, it's going to kind of be that way. I think he's got the chance to be really good. Or, on the other hand, I think that he has more to prove. Well, I shouldn't say he has more to prove. I think that he's going to have more in-depth conversations because uh, we talked with Matt Babcock of Babcock. Hoops a few weeks ago, and he talked about how there, there were some concerns um, with Jordan with his personality traits and how he handled games and his competitive nature and how he disappeared. Um, and so teams are going to want to hear that, um, and they're going to want to know why that was and, and why he didn't get better in year three um, after coming off of the most improved player. Like, why didn't you win the conference player of the year? I would love to hear his answer to that. Um, and I think Jordan's going to be a guy, not to be long-winded here, but Jordan's going to be a guy that uh, there's going to be teams that say we can get him at the top or middle of the second round and he can still play the same role um, as in that selection and that pick as he could if we took him at 19 or 25. Um, and I think that's going to be attractive for a lot of teams because uh, with Jordan, you're going to get a guy who can play probably 12 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes a night. And on any given night, he could give you 20 points because he could get hot from three. He's six foot eight, six foot nine. I heard, uh, you know, Luke, Luke Hancock again, not to, to keep talking about that, but he, he said the Rockets. That's an interesting team because they, they play guys his size at center and he can rebound. Jordan is a great rebounder. So I think that he's going to probably go later than Jay, um, but I think that Jordan's going to have a great NBA career. I think he's going to play 10, 12 years and going to be a role player on a lot of really good teams. Yeah. He, he has a lot more potential than I think people realize. I think that it, the, the evidence has just been damning. Like you said, people have seen his tape. People have concerns. Um, and he's going to have to take, take kind of a little bit of a longer road than, than many would have expected going in the last season um, in order to make his career work out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there is going to be a lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks because we're either going to be talking about a season um, being pushed back, a season still not sure in college football. We're going to be talking about college football happening uh, in a little over a month. So things are going to be interesting around here. We are also, Presley, entering the time where we're going to find out what Louisville basketball does uh, and what route they take in their um, response to the NCAA. Do they go with the Independent Review Committee? Chris Mack kind of told us that they were going to do that. Uh, but if you don't know about that, once the punishment is given, it's final. There is no ability to appeal. Or do they go to the NCAA with the hopes of getting something that they can appeal and and uh, maybe in the process bring the, the NCAA down a little bit um, and get a little bit of revenge? So a lot to, to be talked about over the coming weeks, and hopefully you guys will continue to tune in. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So, uh, again – a lot going on around the Louisville campus, a lot going on with, with college sports, a lot going on in the bubble. Presley, I want to end the show by asking you, do you think that Jack Harlow and Lou Williams will ever hang out again? Yeah, I think that they will come to a gentleman's agreement. I think that Jack's going to go in and pay uh, 75 thou out of his pocket to Lou, split the, split the fine, and go on about their ways. I can dig that. that. That's a good friend right there. Jack, if you're listening, great advice from Presley on kind of how to handle the conflict yeah. management there. Give him $75,000. What else would you do? Come on, Jack. 
fine. No. He could he could get his wings next time at, at Magic City if that's what needs to be <laughs> kind of get back on the same page. Anyways, we thank you guys for tuning in as always. Find us at bigredlouie.com. Even with no sports, we're continuing to put out content that's interesting relating to the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at the Big Red Louie. Presley, man, I appreciate you jumping on with us. Alex has already left. We bored him with our NBA talk. But thanks for hopping on. Uh, it's, been a, it's been good catching up with you, man. You too, my friend. Let's talk soon.